You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. You know, we can sit here and talk all we want about whether or not Joe Judge was the right hire for the New York Giants. And we all know the truth. None of us really know the answer to that question. I do think that this was a missed opportunity, but we'll get to that in just a few minutes. We do know that moving forward, there is one individual who is the most important in New York Giants fortunes over the next several years. And that individual is Daniel Jones. And frankly, whether or not Joe Judge at this point is the Giants head coach, it's irrelevant. What is relevant is who his offensive coordinator is going to be and who Daniel Jones is going to be working with over the next several years. That's ultimately going to determine the Giants' success. Yes, they need to improve defensively. Yes, they need to get a better offensive line. They need to do all these things. These are things that we know. But whether or not Joe Judge is the head coach right now doesn't really matter because he's not somebody that's really going to influence the quarterback all that much considering his background. He's not Adam Gase. He's not Mike McCarthy. He's not one of these guys that's going to be tied in directly to the quarterback and, frankly, have his fortunes determined as to how well the quarterback plays. He has absolutely no experience as a coordinator at all. The Giants wanted leadership. Okay, you think Joe Judge at 38 years old can give you that leadership? I I respect that. But all you have to do is look around the game to understand that right now is the most important time in the career of Daniel Jones and is the most important time for the New York Giants offensive coaching staff, specifically the quarterback coach and the coordinator. Too many times over the last 10 years in the NFL, you have seen way, way, way too much inconsistency among coaching staffs. And that, in turn, can really damage the development of quarterbacks. The first three years is the most formative time. They are learning the game. They are learning how to do things professionally. The spotlight is constantly on them. How will they handle all of the pressure of being the starting quarterback in the NFL, of being the face of a franchise in the NFL, let alone in this city? Having to lead, having to have a group of men believe in what you're doing on the field as their side-by-side leader. Not to mention having to learn the offenses and having to learn what defenses are trying to do to shut you down. I think we'd all agree that while there were some bumps in the road, Daniel Jones had a pretty good year for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, fumbles were a problem. Yeah, at times, a couple of interceptions here and there were problems. He had some rookie games. But overall, you feel very good about where this is headed for him. Enter the most important person in his life. Not his wife right now. The most important person in Daniel Jones's life or his girlfriend or whoever. Not anybody like that. It is who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Because they spend their entire life with them over the next several years. They determine the relationship there. How you're learning. How you're teaching the quarterback. And how he's learning. 
is determining what you're going to be about, is determining how good you're going to be. Do you understand what they are trying to teach? Is he teaching you the right things? Is he forming a system around your particular set of skills that will accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative? There's not a lot of fun that's being had for a quarterback in the first three to four years of his career. If there is, that's problematic. But there's not a lot of fun being had if you're doing things the right way. So look at the guys who have been successful and have continued to develop over the past few years. Consistency in their coaching staff and their system has been a massive factor. Josh Allen in year two has been in the same system. And yeah, there were times the other day he's making decisions that you just, you couldn't even believe were happening on a professional football field. But I think we'd all say overall, Josh Allen in his second year as a starting quarterback, leading the Bills to the playoffs is making strides moving forward. He's had the same guy for two years. There hasn't been a change in system. When healthy, when healthy, very important two words, Carson Wentz. You think about Carson Wentz in 2017 before he got hurt late in the year against the Rams. He was the MVP of the league. He led them back to the playoffs this year. He's had Doug Peterson. He had Frank Reich early, but the same system and the same guy in charge of teaching the quarterback. That has been all about what that relationship has been. Patrick Mahomes has Andy Reid. He's got incredible talent. We all know this. How do you, in the second year of your career, even with all that talent, become somebody who throws 50 touchdown passes? You're being taught the right way. You're being taught how to do things the right way. The system that you're playing in is making the most of your capabilities. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, in, in such a short time in his career, same thing. Look at the plays he made the other day. I could even point to Jared Goff, even to a little bit of a lesser degree. But Jared Goff is a guy that a few years ago in his first year didn't look like he was going to be much of anything. And he turned it around pretty quickly because he's working with Sean McVay. What about the guys who haven't had consistency? Baker Mayfield. How'd that work out for you this year? The guy that everybody thought was going to have a massive season was a dud. Mitch Trubisky. He's had inconsistency. He hasn't had the, the best coaching staff supporting him. It's not to blame them completely, but that plays a big factor. Marcus Mariota had four offensive coordinators in five years. Four offensive coordinators in five years. He's been disappointing, but when he had consistency early in his career, he was somebody that was playing much better than he ended up playing down the stretch. And folks, even this, say what you will, Sam Darnold, he didn't take a giant step forward this year. Why? Because he and Adam Gase are still getting on that same page. I think we all believe in Sam Darnold. But to me, that's the single biggest reason why Adam Gase had to stay where he was. And that's head coach of the Jets because you needed to keep that system 
just as solid as could be. Just as consistent as could be. So the point is this. Joe Judge is a head coach. Maybe he'll turn out to be great. I don't know. You don't know. The Giants don't know. Bill Belichick doesn't know. There are things I can point to that make me skeptical of the situation, and I will. But the single most important thing for the Giants' success right now is to hire the right offensive coordinator. And that guy is out there. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. It's a slow jam tonight. Carlin, 98.7 ESPN, New York. Your calls, let's go. Richie, he is going to start us off tonight in Yonkers. Richie, what's cooking, bud? Hey, so Carlin, I was wondering if you thought the... um Joe Judge should hire the defensive coordinator that the Rams just fired. Wade Phillips? Yeah. Uh, Listen, you could do worse. You could do worse. I mean, the Giants, you know, their personnel is a 3-4 right now because of James Betcher. Wade Phillips is a guy that maximizes his personnel. He's the guy that we've talked about when we've talked so much about adapting. He's the kind of guy that looks at the talent that he has and then decides how he's going to deploy it and make the most of it. That's what we need. Keep it up. Good show. All right. That was quick. Steve in River Edge is up next here on ESPN. What's up, Steve? Hey, Chris. What's up? How are you? Good. How you doing, bud? Good, good. Listen, I sent two kids to Rutgers. I, you were always a big fan of mine. And uh, But you know, recent, recently, I'm hearing you talk anti-Giants. You, you don't think Eli's making it to the Hall of Fame. I mean, this whole conversation seems to be like Daniel Jones had an okay year. You forgot to mention As a rookie, he had a good year. I said that. I think everybody's feeling pretty good about him. Why do you think I'm anti-Giants? Because I've said things that haven't been fanboy giant related lately? I mean, you know... What is there to be a fanboy about the last several years? No, I'm not saying. I know. I know you're probably more of a Jet fan, and you know, I'm actually neither. I and I did the Giants pregame back in the day. I'm just trying to be objective. That's all. I mean, the, the glass is either half empty or half full, and it seems to be half empty. Well, I, I would ask you right now, what do you point to to make you think it's half full besides the quarterback? Well, I mean, you know, when you talk about the future of the Giants, you know, you can. We got seventy million cap space and so forth, and we can turn things around rather than saying uh, this guy Daniel Jones is going to be a disaster if we don't hire the right guy. Who said that? Did I say it was a disaster? I said the most important guy that the Giants need to hire right now is the right offensive coordinator for the quarterback who is going into his second year, and I backed it up with a list of other guys that have done well when they've had consistency and other guys, when they have had inconsistency with their coaching staffs, have not done well. It's all facts, Steve. It's not anti-Giants. It's not anti-anything. Come on. See, nothing ticks me off more than this notion that you can't say something negative about a team without being anti. Come on. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. I think you look at the Giants the last couple of years, there's not a lot to be a positive about. And if they are, you're looking at the world through blue-colored glasses. You know, 
with Daniel Jones, I think they have their guy. I think they have their guy. I think based off of year one, it's hard to say that they don't. But you have to pair him with the right coach. And that's just not the case for him. That's the case for any quarterback. Any quarterback. Ask Peyton Manning about Tom Moore and how important he was for him. 800-919-3776, 800-919-ESPN. Spike is up next on the Carfoot. Spike, what's going on, bud? How you doing, big guy? Yeah, I got two, three quick things. One first, uh, yeah. good to hear you. Uh, the, the Daniel Jones uh, has tremendous footwork and accuracy, and he's got to work on the other things. He progressed. Well, let's not get nuts on the accuracy. Down the stretch of the season, he missed a lot of throws, especially in that last game. I understand that, but looking at the first season as a whole with the amount of games he played. You have to feel he, good about it. Yeah, he, look, he's a, everyone who knocked him at six, uh, keep their pie hole shut. This guy, this guy. Well, that was me. I was one of those people. Well, then I'll make an exception. So, I, you know, listen, and I like pie, <laughs> although I'm more of a cake guy. But li- anyway. Listen, I got to talk, talk a little stall at nights. This, this, uh, they got seven or eight guys on that squad scoring between seven and 12 points a game, if I remember. And uh, my kid graduated there. And he, uh, the Harper's kid looks like a baller. He yeah. looks like a baller. And he's a Ron little, Harper Jr. A thicker than his father, right? Yeah, Ron Harper Jr., the son of the former NBA player, Ron Harper. Um, Look, I was there last night. I've yeah. watched them an awful lot this year, and they are a team that is still relatively young but understands how to win. And you see that in games like last night. They played. They started one for 15 last night from the yep. floor and they had a, a tremendous coach. Yeah. And they got a good coach. And this Steve Peichel's a tremendous coach. We'll get him on here soon, maybe next week. The Big Ten's funky this year. They could get in the tournament. I know I'm getting ahead right, of myself. Down. I see a lot of balance scoring, and they don't panic, and they got guys Spike. that can make shots. Am I wrong? Spike, why are you talking about the tournament right now? Because that's the way I feel. It's Spike, been so it's been 28 years, Spike. Settle down. I know. I know. Don't jinx it, Spike. All right? They're playing well. They don't even have their best player on the floor right now with Geo Baker. Settle down. See, when I was talking about being objective before, there's one thing I really can't be objective about, and you know that. You know I'm not going to be objective about Rutgers. I have trouble doing that. I'm around it too much. I'm a fan. You heard me talk with Michael. I own season tickets. I can't be objective about that. But they look good. <laughs> they look good. Tyreek is in Jersey up next on 98.7 ESPN. Tyreek, how you doing, brother? Hey, how's it going, brother? Good. I just have a few points to make uh, or questions. Why wasn't Greg Williams offered uh, any interviews uh, for head coaching vacancies? Because and basically my... around the league, Greg Williams is viewed as an ass. <laughs> Does that settle it for you? I mean, that pretty much is how it looks. I mean, if people look at Greg Williams and say, I don't want to deal with that pain in the ass. And, and listen, I think Greg Williams would be the first one to tell you that. But I think that's probably why. Fair enough. Uh, my other point, um, I want to touch up of the three quarterbacks in New Orleans. Who, who do you think stays and who who leaves? In and reference to in New Orleans, you're talking about Breeze. You're and, talking about Bridgewater, and you're talking about Taysom Hill. Yes, yes. Uh, I, believe it or not, I think there's a chance they'd all be back. You know, I think there's actually a good chance they'd all be back. Okay, I, and then and then with with Sam Darnold, if if it all falls down and it doesn't go as projected what happens with Darnold's status and his contract and Adam Gase what happens then well with with Darnold 
if you're sitting there after year three and you don't know, you do know. That's a problem. If you don't know at the end of next year, when you have to start thinking about a quarter, uh, an extension and a long-term situation for them, and you don't feel like you have that definitive answer, then you have it. And the answer is no. The only way you don't know the answer to that, and it's still a legitimate discussion to have, is injury. That's it. And if Darnold doesn't go out there and develop this year, and the Jets don't get better, and the Jets don't make the playoffs, which, by the way, they will next year, I believe that, then Gase is going to be out of a job. But I do think that consistency between the two will be better. It has to be. And if not, it really speaks to the two of them. Because what's always been the issue here for me with Gase is quite simply, what quarterback did Adam Gase ever develop? He worked with Peyton Manning. Okay. Peyton Manning was already well-established in the NFL as one of the all-time greats by the time Adam Gase rolled around to him. Jay Cutler for a year? Mm, not so much. Not really. I, I don't look at any quarterback and say Adam Gase is responsible for that guy. And frankly, Sam Darnold has to be that guy that you can point to. Which brings us back to Daniel Jones and the Giants at 800-919-3776, 800-919-ESPN. The right guy is North Turner. North Turner should be the Giants offensive coordinator next year. To me, that would be an incredibly smart hire. Yes, he's older. He's in his late 60s, if memory serves. He was in Carolina this year, but just, I mean, look at that for a second. Think about that for a minute. North Turner had Kyle Allen playing quarterback most of the season and made him good enough to compete. You know, listen, they were, they were five and 11. They had a bad year. Kyle Allen had 17 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. Do they jump off the page? No. Threw for 3,300 yards, 62% completion percentage. The point being is this. North Turner is so good at developing quarterbacks and understands the position so well that he has to be in consideration for the Giants. And not only for those reasons, but for the other reason, too, of the head coaching experience, everything that goes into it, when you are turning it over to somebody that hasn't even been a coordinator. And boy, I'll tell you what, I can hear for the last day or two, all you want, all the spin that you want about how it's it's ideal for a special teams coach to become a head coach because he deals with everybody. He deals with the players on both sides of the ball. They're all involved in special teams. Well, how come there's really only one or two other guys that have ever gotten hired in that position? John Harbaugh is really the only one that's had great success that went from being a special teams coach to being a head coach. I can't even, I, I'm being honest with you. I can't even think of another one right now. I'm sure there are, there is someone. I can't even think of it. This guy hasn't even been a coordinator. You need to add people with experience. And you might look at it and say, if we have North Turner, we have Wade Phillips, 
you know, we got the AARP society as opposed to the offensive and defensive coordinators out there. That's fine. These guys know football. And they know football today and they adapt and they make their offenses successful and they, and he develops quarterbacks. North Turner was with the Panthers this year. Presumably a free man. Now that Matt Rule is gone there, they should absolutely go and get him. Jack in New Jersey is up next. Jack, what's going on, bud? Hey, Chris, first time caller. Uh, I've been listening to you a lot lately. I'm very curious. Do you think the Giants would have a chance to take Joe Brady from LSU as offensive coordinator? And do you think it's a good idea? Uh, you know, I don't love the idea. I, I, I know, I, I understand that Joe Brady has done a phenomenal job with them this year. I don't know that I would turn over an NFL offense with a first-time head coach to somebody that's 30 years old. And I'm not saying he's not going to be great, but I think the Giants need more experience. I mean, Joe Brady looks like he's going to be a tremendous coach, certainly on the offensive side. I mean, think about the fact that Joe Burrow was a backup quarterback. Yes, behind some pretty good ones at Ohio State, but a backup quarterback who just went there and won the Heisman. And I mean, a big reason for that is Joe Brady. But I also wouldn't look at it and say, uh, I can turn over an offense to him right now. I can't, I can't, I can't do that in the NFL when he's 30 years old and he's, you know, he's the, he's primarily the passing game guy there at LSU. Mm-hmm. All right. Good response. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Listen, you need to surround Joe Judge with experience. I'm still getting used to even saying Joe Judge. Like, it sounds so – it's such an innocuous name. Maybe he's great, but, you know, I, I, I point to this. I keep coming back to this, and I hate to think about the Giants' way and why they continue to do things the Giants' way. And I know you got four Super Bowls. The Giants' way isn't the right way anymore. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. This portion of Carlin on 98.7 ESPN brought to you by the New Jersey Lottery. They say life's a beach. But with a $258 million Powerball jackpot win, life could be more like a private beach in Fiji. That belongs to you, so take a chance on Powerball. After all, anything can happen in Jersey. Let's hit John and Queens up next. John, what's going on, bud? Hi, Chris. Uh, congratulations on the new show. Thank you. I can't help but think that the Mara, Steve, the John Mara and Steve Tisch took a play out of the Mets playbook by really going cheap. I mean, Matt Rule was their guy from day one. We were hearing it. Shortly before uh, the end of the season, they were talking about Matt Rule. And then, you know, he, they don't even make an offer. Like, I'm not even sure they needed to really meet the Panthers' demands, what Matt Rule was getting. Well, Matt Rule never got here because the Panthers were offering him a ton of money. I mean, they, they, you don't turn down $60 million for seven years and get that kind of uh, security as an NFL head coach, especially the first time. You know, let, let's be – I don't think they're being cheap. 
I think in their minds, they're being cautious. I don't think it's the same thing. I don't, I can't put John Mara and the Wilpons when it comes to that kind of stuff in the same category. I can't do it. It's not like they've ever really had problems spending money in free agency or anything like that. And they haven't had financial problems that we know about. We know the Mets have had financial problems. But it seemed that they were a little hesitant because they also like McCarthy, and they didn't even, you know, they could have interviewed Mike McCarthy the day after they, they fired Pat Shermer. They could have brought him in. Jerry Jones didn't really make a move until after, you know, a week, you know, after the season ended, after, the, after, the, after you know, after New Year's. Look, you know, it's just, you're right. And they wanted to talk to Mike McCarthy a second time. And they were doing their due diligence and all of that. Here's the problem. This was a missed opportunity on Matt Rule. And David Tepper understood what it was. I don't think the Giants did. Now, there are times that these moments come up in off-seasons, on the field, off the field for, for NFL franchises. And moments like this are how you end up mired in mediocrity for years if you miss the opportunity when it shows up. Now, look, Matt Rule could be a complete flop as an NFL head coach. But I think there's a reason that his name was mentioned so prominently, especially when you look at the history of college coaches going to the NFL, as somebody that was highly respected and felt like you could have a lot of success at this level. Giants missed an opportunity here. Matt Rule. I know this for a fact. Matt Rule wanted to be the Giants head coach. He wanted to be the Giants head coach. But when somebody offers you $60 million in seven years, you can't turn that down. And he still had his agent apparently call the Giants and say, do you want to match this because... He wants to come there. He wants to be your head coach. And they decided no. Why? The money? I don't think it was the money necessarily as it might have been the years. Because seven years for a head coach in the NFL is not heard of these days. Frankly, college coaches make a lot of money over longer terms. You know... You listen to some people in and around the Giants. Well, Matt Rule maybe wanted total control, and that wasn't happening for a guy that's never been an NFL head coach. O- okay, that's fine. Does that mean that Matt Rule was going to make every decision and not listen to people and be hard-headed and really just not let anybody do their jobs? Well, that hasn't been his M.O. anywhere. I got news for you. When you're a college head coach, you're a CEO. And he's gone into two tough situations, specifically the one at Baylor, which was a bad situation, an atrocious situation, and turned it around and turned around the culture and did all the right things at Baylor to make them a winner. You might say, well, that's not going to work in the NFL necessarily. Okay, that's fine. Matt Rule's not a guy who does all those things. He might just want approval over what happens. Might want to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah, total control. Yeah, Dave Gettleman said last week, and it might have been complete crap, that he was willing to do whatever was in the best interest of the New York Giants. 
Matt Rule was in their best interest. The moment was there, and I don't think they took advantage of it. I think they let the moment pass them because they had a guy they liked and they thought they could turn to and go win with. Okay, hopefully you're right. But I want to point to just a couple of moments in particular when it comes to head coaches. When people go above and beyond to get somebody that may not have made the most sense in the world. Because they thought, if I go get this guy, this is going to do it. This is going to put us over the top. How about the year 2000? When Bill Belichick resigned as the head coach of the Jets. And Robert Kraft traded three draft picks, including a first rounder, to the Jets after going through all the crap they went through with the Jets to ultimately get Bill Belichick, who at the time had a career record of 36-44 and 44 with the Cleveland Browns and one playoff appearance as a head coach. A guy that was viewed by many as maybe he's just a great coordinator. I'm not telling you Matt Rule's going to be Bill Belichick, but they took a chance. They rolled the dice in that moment because they saw the moment and they knew they had to take advantage of it. What about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do you remember what they gave up to get John Gruden? Do you remember the ridiculous haul that the Oakland Raiders got for John Gruden? Do you remember two first rounders, two second rounders, eight million in cash for John Gruden? What happened? A year later, they won the Super Bowl. And eventually he got fired. Yeah, but if you went back and asked him, was it worth it? The answer is yes. They won the Super Bowl the next year. Think that was worth it for them? You bet it was. It feels like one of those moments. I hope it's not. David Tepper went and said, this is the guy I want. I'm going to do what it takes to get him. And he got him. The Giants just let the moment pass by because they're used to doing things in a certain way. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. It's a little uh, in my feelings today. You know, I mean, Are you riding? I am. It's ironic. I actually didn't even realize you were playing this for a second when I said that. But I am a little in my feelings today. And the reason is, is I'm trying to get my fat ass into some kind of shape because, you know, we are not that far away legitimately from a coronary at this point, okay? In a few years, I probably got five or six, I would hope. But at some point, I got to do something. So I get on, you know, I, I've said this before. I bought the Peloton bike last year. So I'm getting on that thing. And I, and I understand, you know, it's not a New Year's resolution thing. It's not any of that stuff. It's not like that at all. But I get on there and these instructors are just so positive and they're trying to, like, I'm the kind of guy that if you beat me over the head with something, I might like it at the beginning, but I'm going to end up hating you. I really am going to end up hating you. And, you know, I'm pedaling away there today. Think about the great moments in your life. Think think about all your failures in your, and, and how low you've been. And think about the perspective of where you can be. And let that carry you in this ride. What? I, I felt like yelling at the screen. Dude, you know what my life has been like the last six months? 
I don't need you taking me back into pain. I just want to ride the bike so that I don't look like a behemoth in a sweatshirt. How about that? Maybe just, you know, get somewhat healthier. But I got you screaming at me like you're my therapist. I pay somebody else for that. Eddie in Staten Island. Sorry about that, Eddie. How are you? I'm doing good, bro. How are you? Apparently not that well. How are you? What do you got? It's been a minute, man, since since uh, Nash and Marbury, man. But I'm happy. I'm happy on the ship. <laughs> good to be here. I want to let you know something. You lost that argument, by the way. But <laughs> well, I don't even remember. Did I? Did I? I said. Did I say Nash was? I didn't say Marbury was better than Nash. No chance. No, I said, I said what I said was Marbury would do comparable to what Steve Nash is doing and D'Antoni's system. And all we have to do right now to give me the win is look at what James Harden is doing in that system. Look what everyone else has done I, in that system. Yeah, I, and, and none of those guys are Stephon Marbury. <laughs> none of them are Stephon Yo, Marbury. Come Yo, on. Man. Listen, so look. You're going to throw James you, Harden at me as a Marbury comp? Come on. No, listen. You're I'm better than that, Eddie. Listen, it's been too long for a reason, apparently. Chris Duhon has the Knicks assist record in this system, man. That's all we have to talk about. Chris Duhon. <laughs> Duhon. Duhon. Yeah. Chris Duhon. I'll, okay. I'll go count the rings. <laughs> <laughs> Although we, rule, we do man. have to say this. We do have to say this, okay? Dan Tony does know what he's doing. He's a good guy. <laughs> it's just for whatever. We're starting to see that there might be a common denominator when it comes to the Knicks coaches who have come here and failed. And it might not be the so coaches. Well, I don't know what's going on with the Knicks. I'm glad I didn't call about that. I just wanted to greet you and say I won the argument. Anyway, so let's get to <laughs> let's get helps to you rule. sleep. You might <laughs> you might be right, man. But you might be right. We may have missed the boat on rule. But the bottom line is, what if they spoke to Judge and all of a sudden he became the man of the moment? And they had to wrestle with now. Do we match this offer with this man without even talking to him just because he has this offer on the table and then we lose this guy who we think might be the moment? What if that's the case? My problem is this, okay? I understand matching an offer without even talking to him is problematic. That doesn't escape me, okay? If he said, look... If it was a case where Tepper just kept raising the price to get him to not get on the plane, they didn't have much of a chance then. But if if he said, if the, if the Giants said to him, we will match that offer, and they felt like that he was their guy, which 48 hours ago he was their guy, and now all of a sudden he's not, you know, it changes, doesn't it? When 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 you don't get what you want, you have to get out the side of the story that was yours. So that will fit your narrative, so to speak. He was their guy. I firmly believe if the Giants had matched the offer, he'd be here. What if he's not their guy because they spoke to Judge and all of a sudden he's their guy? And then they're like, wait a minute. We don't got to pay this guy $10 million a year. And all right. Well, all of these things. here, Eddie, all I can tell you is you better be right. You better be right. And I, I'm, I'm sorry. Turning it over to a 38-year-old Bill Belichick assistant who hasn't even been a coordinator versus somebody who has turned two programs around 
and has clearly the respect around the league that he does and got as much money as he did for a reason and not just because he found a sucker owner. I think you had an owner that was trying to do the right thing because he recognized the moment and he needed somebody uh, that he believed in and he obviously believed in Matt Rule pretty quickly. So I'm not going to sit there and and have the Giants tell me that he was not their guy because leading up to it, he was. Leading up to it, he was. And it's not (laughs) – I don't think they were trying to play a game of chicken, so to speak, or just dodging it to let everybody believe he was their guy so that they'd leave Joe Judge alone. I don't think that was it either. He's here. He's the guy. We'll find out. I'm not going to destroy the hire because I don't know him at all. I'm going to go on a couple of things, though. Bill Belichick's assistance in the league, not the best track record, okay? Or the Bill Belichick coaching tree. I have some numbers for you just to cement the point. Career record of Bill Belichick coaching tree candidates. 214 wins, 295 losses. One tie. Career winning percentage of 420. Actually, wait, wait. I think I think I'm giving him too much credit. Uh 419er. 419 winning percentage. Uh 3 3 playoff wins. Not championships. Not Super Bowl appearances, three playoff wins among 11 guys. Two of those wins happened this week. (laughs) So I guess now you're going to tell me that they're trending up, huh? What about Joe? He is in Brooklyn, and he's up next here on Carlin. Joe, what do you got, bud? Chris, how you doing? I'm good. Um, I just want to say I feel the same way. That everyone else did about oh. the, about the giant about the about the hire. You saw the name and you just go, who the the, the guy who who the guy the guy's got a boring job. He's even got a boring name, Joe Judge. He just sounds boring. But this is what the Giants do. They're boring. And he just threw out the stat of Bill Belichick assistance. Can we look at the before we go crazy on Matt Rule? Could we just go? Could we look at the track record of college coaches who have been successful in the league? Bobby Petrino. Steve Spurrier. No, there haven't been many. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, listen, I can't fight that, Joe. Uh, You're right. I can't fight that at all. Uh, I'm just, I don't think this guy, I don't think that Matt Rule is Bobby Petrino or Nick Saban or any of those guys when it comes to the NFL. He is a younger guy at 44 years old who people are inspired by and he gets the most out of. And, and to me, that is what they're looking for in the league right now. Somebody that's going to be player friendly and understand how to maximize them. And look, I'm not a big win the press conference guy, but you can't walk away from that press conference today feeling good if you're a Giant fan. If you I watch them agree. today. I agree. I'm just Hopefully tomorrow that. Joe Judge goes out there and inspires the hell out of you. Well, I don't think you could throw $60 million at a guy that you won't even meet. I agree with you on that. I just... This is the NFL. It's different. It's just different. And before we kill Gettleman, we all killed him on Daniel Jones. And looks like he got it right. Yes. So Gettleman's been good in the draft. It looks like he got it right. You're correct about that. The one thing is that, that the last couple of days, 
very good days for Dave Gettleman. Very good days for Dave Gettleman. If he was worried about his standing in the organization, I think this hire improved it. This uh, statement was just inspiring from, from Joe Judge today. I'll just read you part of it. The mission is clear, to win games. There is a process to reaching that objective, and we will implement that process and work that process starting today. Give me a wall to run through. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. Carlin, 98.7 ESPN. Lots of calls on the Giants, as you would expect. Also got some tweets as well that I will get to you momentarily. You can tweet the show at Chris Carlin over on Twitter. Let's right now, though, hit Scott out on Long Island up next here on 98.7. Scott, what's up? Hey, Chris, nice to uh, speak with you. Um, Question, uh, how do you feel about the model of having a head coach and both an offensive and defensive coordinator versus the last couple of rounds of the Giants has been, you know, head coach takes one of those roles? I I hate it. I I, I mean, you know, for some coaches it works. I I hate the idea of having somebody come in and their primary focus is one side of the ball. I want a guy to be a head coach, okay? I understand that Bill Belichick runs his defenses. He has a defensive coordinator. He has them call plays, stuff like that. But generally, he runs their defenses. But if you look around the league, uh, you know, I know Sean McVay runs the offense. I don't think it has to be a one-way-to-skin-a-cat kind of thing. And I think more often than not... It ends up being too much on somebody's plate, especially their first or second year. You want to do it when you've gotten past that? I have no problem with that. When you're more comfortable in the job, if it's something that you want to do, that's great. I wouldn't want to do it right out of the gate. It's going to be interesting. I haven't seen the press conference yet. I'll watch it when I get home. But uh, The Matt Rule uh, one? Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, is Matt Rule the one that's had the uh, Matt Rule was the one today, and then tomorrow is Joe Judge at 2 o'clock. Yeah, it's all going to be about the coordinators. I agree with you. It's going to it's going to be a huge indicator of of where we go. Yeah, no, there's so. no doubt, and and specifically the offensive coordinator because you have to have the great relationship when you have the young quarterback in place with whoever that offensive coordinator is going to be. They have to be able to work together, and not just you know, get along, but they are spending so much time together. The coordinator has to know how to play to the the quarterback's strengths. And the quarterback has so much to learn as it is in every facet. He has to have somebody he can rely on. Corey in New Jersey up next. Corey, go. Hey, how you doing, Chris? Good talking to you again. You too, bud. Uh, I have a little bit of an issue. I mean, as all Giants fans, when we hired Joe Judge, I did the same thing you did. Who, you know, and I understand the decision was influenced by Bill Belichick giving a call and how Belichick and Mara and Tish have great respect for one another. I understand the whole thing, but it didn't seem like Judge had the same issue as McCarthy and Rule did, where you had to basically move as fast as you could to get him in the door. It didn't seem like other teams were pressing to hire Joe Judge so quickly. Well, the Giants acted like they did. 
acted like they did. Exactly. And we canceled interviews with Jason Garrett, which, believe me, I'm not sitting here and defending Garrett. Thank God that didn't happen. Listen, you want to make Jason Garrett the offensive coordinator? I got no problem with that. Jason Garrett could not have been the head coach here. Okay? He lasted as long as he did in Dallas because he was basically, you know, thank you, sir, may I have another when it comes to Jerry Jones. Exactly. But to not even conduct other interviews and, and basically... Well, they did. No, they did conduct other interviews. They interviewed Eric Bieniemy and a couple other guys. They they did. They had more to do. But they, but they came together as quickly as they did, uh, as quickly as it did, because they knew they weren't getting ruled. Now, do you think it's wise to let Judge be able to pick his coordinators with no head coaching experience? Because I was reading a report today that says they're I have not no problem. I, I have no problem with it. I, I If you're going to let a guy be your coach... Let him pick his coaching staff. I'm sure that they're going to have input. I'm sure they're going to want to have somebody who has some more experience. That's why, to me, you hire Norv Turner. That's perfect. That's perfect. You know what's funny? Norv Turner's kid got named offensive coordinator of the Redskins today. Scott Turner. That'd be pretty interesting. Anyway, I think Norv Turner would be great here. You want to make Garrett the offensive coordinator? Go ahead. Head coaching experience would help. All the years of the experience in the league would help. He is only 38 years old. I'm not saying he can't do the job. Look at McVay. He got the job at 30. He's already been to a Super Bowl. August in Smithtown is up next. August, what's going on? Not stomach turner, right? No. Chris, right on with the 419. I loved it. Well, you know. I thought you gave him a little too much credit, though. Uh, are you um, putting Mike Rabel in with that the three playoff wins? Well, because he's on the tree. You know, he he's was not on he, the tree though. The tree, the tree is the the coaching he was on tree. The, he's a player, but he also coached under Bill O'Brien, who's on the tree. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. He, he was with the Bill Texans O'Brien? before he became oh, head coach. Oh, I gotcha. Okay, yeah. all right then. Thanks for clearing that up. That's good. Did you mention something about? Matt Rule being interviewed by the Jets? Last year he did. Oh, man. That would have been sweet. But the Jets didn't want him to have his staff. Like, he did, they didn't want to give him full say over who the head coach or who his coordinators was going to be and all that. So they didn't hire him. And then they ended up firing the GM anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. How do you unbecome a Jet fan? I mean, like, the things they do are just so stupid. It's one of those things you know? that I think scientists have looked at for a long time, but there's no <laughs> real answer to it. Because if there had been an answer to it, I do think that you would have had plenty of people save themselves all the years of pain, if you could. Right. Chris, how many times have you looked over and, you know, when I have the camera on gaze, and he's never looking at the field. He's always looking in a, in a, a clipboard or a pad or something. And Belichick, opposite. He's always focused on the game. I want a coach. I want somebody out there that's a head coach, not a coordinator. No, I understand that. Listen, I know people. I, wants to do. I know people get wrapped up in that. I'm not going to get nuts over that because there are times that you see Belichick over on the bench talking to the guys on the defensive side. There are times that that happens. There just are. So I'm not going to get nuts on that. McDaniel's has been in charge of that all along. Speaking of which, you know, the Giants really, really could have screwed over the Jets here in a major way. How? So Josh McDaniels clearly was not going to be their guy, even though they had a meeting with him scheduled. They didn't want to hire him. 
And now he's going to end up potentially staying in New England if he doesn't get the Browns job or if he even wants the Browns job. I don't know that I would want it. But think about that for a second. He would have been the Giants head coach and out of New England, which all but would have virtually assured that Brady was going to be somewhere else next year. Think about that for a second. So now McDaniels is coming back. Brady today comes out and says on Instagram that I still have a lot to prove and I'm still playing. He didn't say goodbye to New England or anything like that. I don't think he did. But he did say he's playing. He's not going anywhere in terms of the league. So now McDaniel staying, I think it's a lot more likely that Brady ends up staying if McDaniels doesn't get the Cleveland job or want it and just wants to stay for another year. How about that? But McDaniels really screwed himself over. And I, you know, you get a second bite at the apple and you want to say no to a job, that's one thing. But when you've taken the job and then you bail out on it, that's not going to help you in the future. People are going to look at you and they're not going to trust you. And if you yourself haven't fared well as a head coach, which he did not, as we know, in his two years in Denver, that's really going to work against you. Some of our Twitter responses to the thoughts about Matt Rule ending up in Carolina, Daniel O'Hara checking in. So you would have paid him that money based on what? His vast NFL experience? Come on, man. Daniel, I would have paid him based on the fact that he is somebody that is a true leader. And obviously, a lot of people felt very high in the league on Matt Rule, or you wouldn't have been hearing about this for weeks. Well, about two and a half weeks. I might remind you, I don't ever want to be the guy that says this, but I will be the guy that said it. I said it a few weeks ago for the first time that you really heard it when it comes to the Giants. That was me. This guy here. Filling in for K. But, yes, I would have paid him because I do think he was the right guy. And that's the thing. It's not your money. It's their money. And if if that actually kept them from hiring him, shame on them. Because if you feel like you've got the guy, you got to pay him. You can't think about the fact that you're still on the hook for two more years of Pat Shermer. That was your bad decision. And frankly, that was Dave Gettleman's bad decision. He is the guy that hired Pat Shermer and convinced you to do it because he thought he was the right guy. He wasn't even close to being the right guy. That can't keep you from it. Giants have no financial issues whatsoever. They could have paid him if they wanted to. Stu Gotts checking in. Not the real Stu Gotts, but Gotts82 on Twitter. Why is everybody acting like this is Vince Lombardi risen from the grave and he has come to uh, as the savior of the NFL? I wouldn't quite say that, but the guy was a strong, strong candidate, and now you ended up with somebody that I've never even heard of. That if you told me, you asked me today, who was Joe Judge, I, I would have said that, you know, he's got a muffler shop over on 82nd Street. That's what I would have said. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. You know, a couple of more of the responses that we got on Twitter regarding the Giants head coaching situation. Uh, Michael Andruzzi, uh, at Drews14 on Twitter, you're becoming almost Manish-esque with your obsession with rule in the Giants. 
take a deep breath and relax. I'm glad you brought up Manish. I think, Joel Pollack, that we're going to need a sounder that gives us, you know, once we get into more of a groove, we've got a bunch of shows next week, uh, that gives us a nightly update on Manish Gate. On I like it. Yeah, no, we're going to have to come with up to some really uh, catchy stuff there for it because I think this is going to be a regular thing for us. All right, and and here's what I fear right now. The Manish Burner account story is dying, and that's not something, frankly, I can let happen in good conscience. That's why we'll keep everybody updated all the time. Exactly. We're never going to let it die. No, I, I don't think we can. I don't think so either. Again, of it's course. It's your duty. Yes, it is. The, the fake Burner account that Manish Mehta accused Adam Gase of having in an article and then asking about it in a press conference. But then some some would say diabolical, some would say maybe coincidental developments suggested that that account might have been run by Manish. And this is not an – this is not a – question that I can let go unanswered in good conscience. This, I have to dig. I have to find out more. I have to know. We got to talk to somebody at Twitter. We got to, we got to, we got to figure this out. You know, there was some thoughts that it was a, a Jets PR intern. I don't buy that for a second. I have to know. If Manish created this burner account that he accused Adam Gase of having to defend Adam Gase, because that, if it happened, and mind you, we're not even alleging at this point. We just need to know. We need the truth. If he didn't do it, he didn't do it. And that's the truth. And I can live with it. If he did do it, that's a story. That's a story that we cannot let go. So perhaps we will dive even deeper into that next week. Maybe I'll contact the PI. I don't know. Uh, Brian Safchek at New York Sports Fan Man. Really, you want to give a guy with no NFL head coaching experience a seven-year, $60 million deal? I don't. Good luck to you, Rule. All right. Just remember, in a couple of years, if he's hoisting that Lombardi trophy, that you didn't want to do it. But listen, he may not turn out to be that good at all. It might be a complete waste of time. And I can understand that. And a complete waste of money on David Tepper's part. Here's what you respect. He thought he had the moment and he went after it. If you have the moment and you think it is going to be a determining factor in the next few years of your organization, you have to do it. The giant way is to play it safe. They played this safe, even though they hired somebody that none of us ever even heard of. Well, he's got a winning pedigree. He's been around Bill Belichick an awful lot. Uh, let's see here. Steve Budzinski, Big Steve 89, I just want to ride the bike, should be on T-shirts. <laughs> I, I don't think we need to get there yet. But did you hear my tone in which I said it? I, was, I didn't even realize that it was borderline in tears. This is, this will tell you, I'm, the thing that you really need to know is that I'm an open book, is I will talk about anything going on in my life. And I just, earlier today, I'm on this bike and I'm getting just, you know, emotionally spent 
listening to these instructors, and it's pretty simple. I just want to ride the bike. See? I sounded like I was going to cry. I almost cried earlier today. Steve saying that he can totally relate to not wanting to work out. It's not that I don't want to work out, although I don't. It's that I don't want to be emotionally examined while I do. <laughs> that is that is the equivalent of going to the therapist. And I get in the, I get in the right mindset of going to the therapist and I pay them for a different reason. And I do every couple of weeks. You know, tune-up or major work. You get the point. Idea is you don't have to abuse me like that when I'm riding a bike. I'm abusing myself enough. Quickly, Nick's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Ian Begley said yesterday via SNY that the Knicks haven't shut off the idea of trying to improve the roster in the short term. I'm sorry, what? Why Why would you ever want to improve the roster in the short term? Not that they're locked in on doing it, but that they're not totally against that and maybe still trying to win a little bit this year. You're 10 and 27. All right? We know what this year is now. Maximize all the assets that you can in the coming weeks. You get a young player that may help you. I'm not against that. Winning this year should not be any sort of a driving force behind any kind of a deal. You are a bad basketball team right now, and that's not going to get better unless you go get a superstar, and that ain't happening this year. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN.